a lot of the concerns about a growth slowdown are likely already priced into current spreads, making further widening unlikely to these levels or meaningful widening unlikely. So to me, this is an excellent opportunity to buy cheap credit across the curve. Welcome to Views from the Desk, a special edition of the BMO ETFs podcast. In these timely episodes, we provide the latest investment news and expert commentary on the markets, the economy, and investing. Brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. Markets kicked off the year with a January rally, but stocks have since wavered as inflation concerns and the risk of a downturn later in 2023 have shaken investor optimism. In today's episode, portfolio managers Chris Heeks, Matt Montemoro, and your host Mackenzie Box go into strategies on how to play defense while remaining positioned for upside surprises. They also discuss the current yield curve inversion and ways to benefit through exposure to shorter-duration bonds. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit the new and improved Canadian ETF dashboard at bmoetfs.ca. Hello, and welcome back to BMO ETF's Weekly Insights Podcast with our team of experts. Thank you to everyone for continuing to tune in and to provide comments on our podcast. I'm today's host, Mackenzie Box, and product at Global Asset Management. Today, I'm joined by Matt Montemuro and Chris Heeks, who are both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. So thank you both Chris and Matt for joining us today. With that, we'll dive in. So Chris, we'll start with you first. Uh, January with started off with a pop in equity markets where the S&P 500 was up 6% and the NASDAQ was up 11%. And the ARC ETF was notching the best monthly return with 28%. Now that we've turned to February, however, it's been a little bit of a rockier start. The market seems to be thinking that January was a bit of a head fake or sign the Fed may be achieving some soft landing. What's your assessment on how are you supposed to be positioning around equity portfolios given the current markets? Yeah, great question. And it was great to see a nice start to the year. Always nice to see green on the screens. And like you said, the S&P was up 6%. The NASDAQ, which underperformed significantly last year, outperformed. You know, I think if we asked this question you know, to market participants a couple of weeks ago, kind of at the end of January, it was kind of the euphoria, you know, was tilting towards that range with that maybe the Fed has done it and and, and done the impossible and uh, or, or the unlikely, I should say, and achieved a soft landing. Like you said, it's been bumpier since then. And I think, you know, we're coming back a bit to reality. One big thing that happened in the market since our last uh, edition of the podcast was Friday's jobs numbers last week in the US where they added, you know, pretty startling uh, 500k plus jobs uh, versus about 200k expected, and you know, in short, why that was a negative for the market, you know, despite obviously, you know, jobs being seen as you know, it's good for the good for the economy, good for society, but uh, the concern is really around inflation, and wage inflation has been one of the bigger drivers of inflation, kind of hovering around four to five percent. Uh, this is a massive jobs number in the U.S. 
And, you know, what you're looking at in the U.S. now is, you know, really a historically, you know, multi-decade uh, tight labor market. So in short, although it's good news, kind of it's kind of tricky news for the market because what that's signaling to us is uh, or to market participants is the potential for stickier inflation. So, uh, you know, we've been talking on this podcast. It's great that, uh, you know, rates are normalizing a bit. You know, the market's pricing in kind of maybe one or two more increases, depending if you're looking in Canada or the U.S. But there is this concern of sticky inflation. The talk of higher rates for longer, you know, I think it's starting to take some of the narrative. And that's what's poured a little bit of cold water on the rally as of late. If you look at uh, earnings fundamentals, the S&P has just gone through the bulk of its earnings season uh, for Q4. And you're looking at a decline of about 4%. S&P is trading at a multiple of about 19 or so. You have economic concerns uh, around a slowdown in the second half of the year. You actually, if you look at interest rates, it's actually pricing in a, a cut in Q4, probably driven by, by an economic slowdown type of dynamic. So in short, you know, valuations aren't as supportive. You know, we probably hit a bit of a near-term peak and we're going to have this concern to deal with in terms of is inflation going to be sticky at this kind of 4%, 5% level, or is it going to really come down to 2%? So the market will be watching very closely the CPI prints, and we're going to have two CPI prints before the next Fed meeting. Those will be really critical. But I think, you know, what it what it kind of reasserts to me, and we've had a couple head fakes in the last year, you know, July was one where the NASDAQ outperformed. But, you know, for me, I think still uh, having that, that weighting over towards the more defensive side on the equity uh, side of the portfolio and those defensive factors, I think makes a lot of sense. You know, one we've been talking about a lot last year, and I still continue to like is the dividend strategies. So, you know, despite this growth rally that kicked off the year, if you look at dividend ETFs, um, particularly in Canada and in EFI markets or European markets, dividend strategies and high dividend covered calls, you know, really kept up with the bulk of the performance. So if you look in Canada, for example, uh, ZCN or, or uh, TSX cap composite index ETF, it was up seven, uh, it's up about 7% year to date. Uh, the dividend strategy is up about six and a half. So capturing the bulk of that, and that's the BMO Canadian dividend equity ETF that, that returned that. Uh, so, you know, dividend can capture the bulk of the return, but what are the real big positives of dividends as we as we navigate this market? I think number one, we're, in, we're invested into larger companies uh, with more mature business profiles. So they're known for paying sustainable dividends, and that's what we focus in in the BMO suite. As well, you see that income, the dividend yields are they're supportive and they add some you know additional income stream to help mitigate volatility. And you know, because of that mature business profile, dividend, you know, blue chip dividend paying companies tend to be a little bit more defensive versus broad markets. And last but not least, and we saw this last year, but uh, you know, historically speaking, dividend equity dividend-based equities have had strong performance in, in higher inflation markets. So I continue to like that in terms of positioning for the rest of the year. Lower risk, uh, like low volatility, I think may do well as well, particularly if we have that uh, second half slowdown. Uh, the only caution, and we're going to talk about energy later in the call, is in, in Canada, we have ZLB, the BMO Canadian Low Volatility ETF. You know, it's chugging along this year as well, but perhaps supplementing that with a bit of energy exposure. And again, we'll talk more later. Just lastly, on the US, I think that's where you do need to have some growth in your portfolio. So 
just to hedge against the upside risks that are in the market. And what's the upside risk? Well, the upside risk in short is inflation kind of regulates back down to the level where the Fed can take you know, the foot off the gas and the earnings of the companies are resilient and the economic slowdown you know, isn't so bad. And so that's, that's kind of the upside risk that you would want to hedge. You'll see downside pressure on rates. And then that's when you, I think you'll see like the NASDAQ, like our ZNQ or ZQQ. So the NQ is the uh, unhedged NASDAQ index ETF. And the ZQQ is, is the NASDAQ hedged to Canadian dollars. You could see those uh, outperform. So I still like having a defensive bias in the U.S., having uh, some part of that portfolio invested in low vol dividends. But uh, I think it's also very prudent to have a weighting to growth uh, through either the NASDAQ or perhaps a quality exposure, something a little more growth focused and, you know, have that tech exposure that could do well, you know, if we see a reversal of fortunes. But, you know, that's I think it's still, you know, it's cautious optimism and probably a little bit of skewed in defense. But, you know, the nice thing at, at BMO ETFs is just having all these tools and factor exposures that can help investors really dial into the exact exposure they want to get from a factor perspective or regional perspective. Great. Thanks, Chris. And uh, I think we're all hoping to see more green this year. So let's hope uh, the optimism continues. Next, we'll move over to Matt. So BMO just released the ETF Outlook report, which they come out with uh, every year in uh, late January. And in that, Matt, you discuss some of the opportunities in the fixed income market. Uh, with an economic slowdown potentially on the horizon, can you discuss your view on corporate credit exposures in this environment and how you would position a portfolio around that? That's a great question, Mackenzie. The ETF Outlook Report does an excellent job of discussing you know, overall fixed income positioning as we move out of uh, the hiking cycle. You know, if you want more details on, on the overall positioning, you know, check check out that ETF Outlook report on the ETF dashboard. You know, something I want to drill down today is specifically uh, around credit and how credit is positioned in this environment. You know, I think intuitively, if we are expecting an economic slowdown and, and a slowdown in growth and a potential recession, you know, I think a credit sell-off is, is a legitimate concern. So I think, you know, why am I bullish on credit right now? Uh, and I continue to be overweight credit in my positioning. So there, there's several factors that make the, the current um, environment unique. And, you know, I think given the challenges in fixed income last year, you know, specifically in, in that late March, or sorry, late February, early March, you know, those geopolitical concerns between Russia and Ukraine, we saw credit spreads uh, in Canada and the U.S., widen substantially to levels that we, we've only seen in, in other periods of crisis over the last decade or so. So, you know, uncertainty in the market, mainly around rate volatility and uh, the expected rate path of central banks, left that those credit spreads wider uh, they, and, and had them stay wider than one would expect for, for a longer period of time. So rather than converging and coming in, we saw a, a prolonged period of wider spreads. Uh, you know, and if you look at outside of periods of crisis, we're sitting at about 10-year wides in credit spreads in both Canada and the U.S. This is uh, most pronounced in the short end. And so what that tells me is that the market has already priced in 
a potential down in growth. It hasn't reacted and swung back. So, you know, a lot of the concerns about a growth slowdown are likely already priced into current spreads, making further widening kind of unlikely to these levels or, or meaningful widening unlikely. So to me, this is an excellent opportunity to buy cheap credit across the curve. I like exposure in Canada and the U.S. at, at current valuations. You know, I think the U.S. specifically provides some diversification to your credit exposure, and it's very helpful in a period of slowing growth. I think that U.S. exposure is an excellent complement to, to your Canadian fixed income exposure. It allows, gives you access uh, and opens you up to a deeper sector and issuer base, a, a lot of lot more counter uh, cyclical uh, sectors and issuers in the U.S. than we see in Canada, which which tend to be a little bit more dominant on a few major sectors. So, you know, opening your, your portfolio up to U.S. exposure definitely allows you to weather uh, any sort of volatility, but also should allow you to take advantage of spread tightening uh, uh, as that comes at some point in 2023. Now, to tie this in with our ETF Outlook report, Right now, I do see the most value in short-term credit and in the short term, you know, given the inverted uh, structure of the yield curve, you know, that allows me to lock in higher yields with less rate volatility, less duration. So, you know, if I'm looking at what products I could take advantage of the current environment, you know, looking at taking advantage of, of wide, wider credit spreads than historical norms, looking at an inverted yield curve, so higher front-end yields than historical norms. You know, in Canada, I would look at two products. I would look at ZCS, so the BMO Short Corporate Bond ETF, and I'd look at ZQB, BMO High Quality Corporate Bond ETF. So that that ZQB is for investors who may want a little bit higher quality credit exposure. You know, they they may want to maintain their credit exposure, but want to just move up the credit curve. This provides exposure to A-rated bonds and above so still taking advantage of those credit aspects that I, that I discussed, but just insulating yourself from a couple of the more high beta names, high volatility names. Complementing that, in the U.S., I look at ZSU, the BMO Short-Term Investment Grade Corporate Bond ETF. I, I think it's very, very well positioned right now, an excellent complement to your Canadian exposure. And as I mentioned, you know, it has, just has a much deeper issuer and sector base allowing you to take advantage of other opportunities in the market that they're just not available in the Canadian market, just given our limited uh, issuer uh, and, and just much a much smaller market. You're getting a much more blue chip uh, exposure by adding some U.S. Uh, credit there. So right now, you know, given where spreads sit, I remain very bullish on credit. Uh, if I look at the macro envir- environment at, at large, I think looking at the three investment grade corporate ETFs, all in the short end. They're all very well positioned in your portfolio. And I think it would lead to uh, strong returns uh, in the in the short and medium term as we uh, as we look forward in 2023. Great. Thanks, Matt. And uh, thanks for the shout out to the ETF Outlook report. There's uh, there's lots of great uh, positioning uh, in that report, speaking to fixed income, equity, and just general tre- trends in the industry. So uh, if you have not checked that out, I do encourage everyone to go take a look at the uh, the Outlook report on our ETF dashboard. 
BMO ETFs is proud to launch 10 new tickers with a range of solutions covering fixed income, sector-based covered calls, and inflation solutions. The BMO U.S. Aggregate Bond Index ETF, ticker ZUAG, gives investors access to the broad U.S. market for shorter-duration bonds. Two new covered call funds in energy and healthcare tickers. ZWEN and ZWHC, respectively, are now available for sector-focused investors. For those seeking inflation-fighting funds, the BMO Global Agriculture ETF or BMO U.S. Tips Index ETFs, tickers ZEAT and TIPS, satisfy both equity and bond solutions to rising consumer prices. Visit BMOETFs.ca for more. Next, I'll turn it over to Chris, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, but let's talk more about energy. So the sector was up 25% in Canada last year and 58% in the U.S. as well. Is a repeat performance in order, and how can investors look to invest in this space? Yeah, thanks, Mackenzie. And I'll shout out the ETF outlook as well. And, and energy was something we identified, you know, as well as defensive factors. And, and you might think, how does energy fit when, you know, we kind of started talking about defensive overweights within the equity side? But, there, you know, there's specific reasons we're still constructive on energy. Maybe 2023, we won't see that same, you know, ma- you know, really significant returns we saw in this space. But there's a lot of things to like uh, on a continuing basis. So, you know, a couple of the more kind of call it near to medium term catalysts for the year. Uh, China's a big one. You know, there's been a lot of talk about a China reopening. And uh, I have to give gr- credit to National Bank, but they put together a great chart on how far China is below on kind of their oil consumption. So kind of the impact of COVID and the lockdowns. And they're they're uh, quite a bit below trend, about 20% below trend. Uh, the, the restart, you know, it doesn't happen overnight. It's not, you know, there's no light switch that gets flicked on. Um, you know, the anticipation is the China restart is going to be an ongoing process kind of over the next kind of six months, call it. China's right up there with the U.S. as a leading uh, consumer of oil, about 15 percent of, uh, of of global oil consumption. And again, 20 percent below trends. There's a lot uh, that can potentially happen there. You know, supply chains we've talked about are still disrupted, you know, with regards to the conflict in, you know, Russia and Ukraine that disrupted several supply chains. You know, another thing that we talk about is capital underinvestment over the years. So, uh, you know, the oil industry has not been investing a ton of capital, you know, for various reasons, uh, many of which are regulatory. So, you know, it's been very difficult to get approvals for new projects, you know, and as a result, there just isn't as much capacity to bring on on board in the short term. Um, and again, that that that's kind of very uh, that that's bullish for short term price action. You know, if there's if demand increases and supply isn't there, then, you know, econ tells us that those prices are going to go up and these oil companies are going to benefit. You know, and lastly, there's this U.S. strategic uh, reserve that's been tapped into uh, over the last year or so. And, uh, you know, they've spoken about. Uh, refilling that at some point, and that's about 200 million barrels of oil there. So there's some good things happening, you know. On on you know to give a full airing, you know, on the on the downside, you know, economic uh, slowness or uh, you know growth slowdown, and, and you know if were that to occur, that that would be a negative. But I think there's, I think the positives outweigh the negatives, and and having a market weight in energy, I think, still makes a lot of sense. 
to finally answer your question, you know, I'm really excited about the new cover call strategy we wrote, the ZWEN, so the BMO Cover Call Energy uh, ETF. Uh, it's going to, like all of our cover calls, give exposure to the underlying companies, but put an additional income stream on it. Um, you know, and if energy kind of has more moderate uh, returns this year or even sideways returns this year, uh, that covered call stream and, and we're going to be, uh, you know, um, declaring the first distribution shortly. But, you know, targeting somewhere in the 8% range uh, will, you know, that, like I said, that'll be declared in the next week or so. That's going to be compelling, I think, to investors. So I like the cover call approach to energy for 2023, like having a market weight. And, you know, you look at some of the fundamental metrics, they're very compelling. Um, you know, the dividend increases over a three-year basis in our, in uh, you know, some of these companies is 15 to 20% range on average. If you look at the covered call energy portfolio, and again, this is, these are, you know, larger cap, big North American listed names in the portfolio. Uh, they're yielding 4% on the dividend yield alone. Price equity ratio is about seven and a half versus, you know, the market at, 13 to 20, depending if you're looking in Canada or the US. The return on equity is 28%, Mackenzie, and I'm sorry I'm rattling off too many numbers. The debt to equity is about half the half that of the TSX market as well. So in short, there's a lot of good uh, things under the hood. And you know, I think the cover call strategy is going to be, you know, um, an effective way to get access and exposure to the space with a higher income stream this year. Great. Thanks, Chris. Uh, next, we'll turn it over to Matt. So this month marks the one year since we launched uh, ZBI, which is BMO Canadian Bank Income Index ETF. Can you quickly walk us through the construction of the portfolio and why it might be well suited for this environment? And are there any structural aspects of the market that might make this an attractive segment to keep our eyes on in the future? Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my last question I looked ahead. Uh, for this one, I want to start by looking back. So ZBI, our BMO Bank Income ETF, was one of our more innovative launches of, of the recent past. So later this month, we will hit the one-year mark of track record. So I did want to reintroduce the, the strategy and discuss why it might make sense now as a, as a complement to your traditional fixed income portfolio. So ZBI, you know, it continues to be the only way for retail investors to access the highly coveted bank LRCN market. So that's the limited recourse capital notes market. So this ETF is uniquely positioned for investors who are looking for a hybrid like fixed income exposure to enhance their yield while not adding uh, significant duration or lowering their credit risk overall. So, you know, from a from a portfolio positioning perspective and a diversification, it it solves a lot of income needs while not reducing kind of uh, any sort of credit quality. So, I think it's it's very strongly positioned as a, as a complement. The portfolio provides access to all non-equity segments of the Canadian Canadian bank. Uh, capital structure. So that includes uh, deposit notes, bail-in bonds, NVCC bonds. And then the hybrid portion is preferred shares, institutional preferred shares, and those LRCNs. Uh, that, that's a new structure over the last probably three years 
um, that that uh, we're providing access to. The portfolio maintains a 60-40 split between traditional bank bonds and bank hybrids like those LRCNs. You know, this gives investors a yield pickup without having to take on a significantly different credit risk and credit risk profile. So you're still maintaining that stability of Canadian banks. You know, you're getting an average credit rating of AA but you're adding 100 basis points of yield relative to short corporate bonds. So, you know, it's it's definitely very uniquely positioned from a yield to volatility and yield to risk perspective because you're getting that high, uh, you're getting a high credit rating, you're getting a credit that investors understand and they know, but you're getting paid an additional yield because of that hybrid component of the portfolio. You know, if you look at ZBI from a performance perspective, Obviously, it faced a challenging backdrop in 2022, like all fixed income and and to us, all markets did. But it's performed extremely well in the risk on environment year to date, year to date. You know, structurally, I think ZBI, uh, ZBI's LRCN exposure is unique for retail investors to get access to this new segment, which is, again, currently only available to institutional investors. So it's it's a way that the ETF is democratizing Uh, another asset class and giving access, uh, institutional access to retail investors and advisors. You know, over time, you know, it is expected that the LRCN, uh, that that LRCN issuance will replace bank issued preferred shares. You know, so this is the structural shift that McKenzie had referenced in the question where these $25 bank issued preferred shares are going to be refinanced and reissued with the LRCN uh, structure. So over time, you know, buying ZBI allows you some sort of ability to maintain that PREF-like exposure without having to make a fundamental change in your portfolio. You know, so for anybody who uh, is currently using preferred Canadian preferred shares, you know, this could be an obvious consideration over the the midterm as as that market does structurally change and that issuance, the issuance patterns of preferred shares, you know, does slowly move over to LRCN by Canadian banks. You know, overall, ZBI allows investors to capture a very attractive yield premium. So again, that's it's about 100 basis points right now, you know, with a duration of two and a half years. So again, you're, you're not taking excess uh, rate volatility here. You're not taking excess duration risk uh, by, by getting that additional yield. And you're getting a very high quality portfolio. Again, for those investors who want to up their credit quality, want to move up the credit spectrum, you know, ZBI is a perfect complement here. So, you know, I truly believe right now, you know, ZBI is very well positioned as a complement in your fixed income exposures. And again, that stability of the Canadian banks is what a lot of investors look to during periods of volatility. And I think ZBI could be a perfect hybrid as a, as a way to get that yield enhancement without taking any additional risk within the portfolio. Great. Thanks, Matt. And thanks for the refresher on ZBI and uh, bringing that into light. Amid elevated interest rates and market volatility, consider six BMO ETFs yielding over 6%, including the BMO Canadian High Dividend Covered Call ETF, ticker ZWC, featuring solid historical dividend growth. 
The BMO-covered call Canadian Bank's ETF, ticker ZWB, invests solely in Canadian financials, presenting an attractive valuation opportunity. Or the BMO-covered call utilities ETF, ticker ZWU, provides exposure to an equal-weight portfolio of utilities, telecoms, and pipeline companies. To learn more, visit bmoetfs.ca and search for tickers ZWC, ZWB, and ZWU. The last question of the day, we'll pass it over to you, Chris. Uh, Canadian banks are set to report Q1 earnings at the end of the month. Can you offer an update and an outlook for this sector? Yeah, absolutely. So sticking with the Canadian banks, hopefully we're not too boring, Mackenzie, but boring... uh, Boring sometimes performs well. You know, some, an interesting stat on the Canadian banks going back uh, seven decades, they have had double digit compounded performance in each of the seven decades going backwards. So, you know, about an, on average, a 12% compounded return through time. We know that uh, past returns are not necessarily indicative of future ones, but, you know, it's a fantastic track record. And, you know, and perhaps we're slightly biased, but they are very well run companies, you know, very diverse profiles. And, uh, you know, have served investors well. So, you know, much like Matt has said, uh, we're off to a great start on the Canadian banks this year, Um, you know, referencing our ZEB, the BMO Equal Weight Canadian Bank ETF, uh, as our benchmark ETF to measure the performance of banks up about 11% this year. You looked at 2022, they underperformed. So uh, we're down about 10, whereas the TSX was down 6 I think there's a lot of fundamental strength, a lot of good reasons, both shorter term and longer term to own the Canadian banks. Um, Looking at the kind of right now metrics, they're trading at a forward PE price to earnings ratio of about nine and a half. The dividend yield on the the, the banks is four and a half percent and price to books about one and a half. And uh, all of those metrics are, are, are improved versus the 10 year averages. So the metrics look quite good. The dividend growth is back on the Canadian banks. So on a one-year basis, dividend growth uh, on the banks within ZEB is 15%. We remember during COVID, the banks were um, prohibited from raising their dividend, but that's back. And dividend growth is always a key story of the Canadian banks. So we'll see at the end of the month how they're doing. Uh, my perception is that there's not a lot of um, you know major negative catalyst, knock on wood, uh, that's going to happen. You know, people talk about uh, the housing market. The banks actually have pretty little exposure to the housing market. The bigger driver is the commercial loan book. And net net well inflation has posed some challenges. You know, um, the commercial loan book, you know, appears to be relatively strong. So we'll get a better read on that. Um, but I think buy and hold, um, you know, we always like Canadian banks and, and they're still off their highs. So we like them as a buy here. So ZEB, or perhaps if you're more income focused, the ZWB, the BMO Cover Call Canadian Bank ETF, two great ways to get Canadian bank exposure on the equity side of the portfolio. So with that, turn it back to you, Mackenzie. Great. Thanks, Chris. And uh, thank you to Matt. That is all the questions that we have today. So I just want to thank everyone for tuning in and keep coming back each week to listen to our podcast. Special thank you to both Matt and Chris for providing some great insights around the market. And with that, I just want to wish everyone a great day. Thanks so much. We'll see you next week. Thank you to Mackenzie Box, Matt Montemuro, and Chris Heeks for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. 
Today, we heard about the BMO Low Volatility Canadian Equity ETF, ticker ZLB, which gives investors access to blue-chip Canadian equities with lower price fluctuations compared to the broader market. Our experts also discussed the BMO Short Corporate Bond Index ETF, ticker ZCS, providing buyers with defensive income in short-term bonds. And finally, the BMO Equal Weight Banks Index ETF, ticker ZEB, which replicates the sector performance of Canada's six biggest banks. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.